Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. As you know, each week, each episode gets more amazing than the last. And just when I think it can't get any more amazing, today's episode, I'm going to predict is going to literally blow your hearts wide open, ignite your souls and take you to the next level. I just want you to know I have two very special people on. Uh, You're going to know them both likely. Uh, I first read uh, Mark's books when I was, it must have been 12, 13 years old, uh, a little kid in South South, uh, London and I'd read his books and get inspired. It was a privilege to meet him when I was 19 years old. So it's like coming full circle again, having him and his amazing wife on my show. Uh, Today's episode is with the amazing Mark Victor Hansen, co-author, folks, you know who he is, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, and his amazing wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, uh, international speaker, corporate consultant, entrepreneur, and author of, check this, The Skinny Life, The Secret to Being Physically, Emotionally, and Spiritually Fit. Yes. Mark and Crystal, welcome to Soul Talk. <laughs> now we got to be as good as the guy introducing us. That's right. <laughs> so happy to be here, too. So awesome to be here. You are both glowing. I don't know what you're doing, but I want to find out you're Purple. both glowing. Yes, great. <laughs> Thank you. You are, too. Just, the, the, the point is, the reason that we're doing this is that, you know, Jung said, the small, the soul is the spark of life force energy, and, and this show is the spark of life force energy. And there's so many people out there that are desperate, despondent, hurting, in pain, scared, full of fear, and fear is love in reverse. Yes. Right? And what we got to do is get love going forward rather than backwards. Yes. So, you know, we're going through some intense times. I would like to kind of address that. We're going through some, you talked about fear, fear. Lots of folks dealing with fear right now. Lots of folks afraid for their futures. Lots of folks feeling frustrated. And so what's something you can just say as we start off, some, some advice and inspiration to the folks that feel paralyzed with fear right now. They're not seeing opportunities for their future. They're feeling restricted. They're feeling their freedoms are being take, taken away. How can they begin reframing this time and maybe using this time and, and trying to find the opportunities that are inherent right now? What can you say about that? Well, I think, Kud, it's always re- um, important to remember that our lives, even though it seems like life is happening out there and coming at us and we're experiencing it like that, the truth of it is we are always creating our lives from the inside out. That's the mm. reality. And mm. so... You know, we're just asking people right now to, to go inside. And yes, there's a lot of turmoil and chaos going on right now, but it's so important that you remember that you're going to create ultimately your life experience from inside of you. So the, the more time you can spend with yourself right now, really looking at this situation like you would during any time of crisis, because we're all going to have personal, personal crisis in our lives. 
you know, what is there to learn? That's why, you know, we wrote the book, Ask. We want to start asking those questions and doing that retrospective journey because um, the first part of asking is we, we, we say there are three channels through which to ask. Ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. So this is a great time to start asking yourself, you know, what can I learn from this situation? How can I come out of this situation better? How is the world going to change? Because it will change. There are changes. And there will be a lot of good changes. We're realizing that maybe we relied too much on, um, you know, countries and manufacturing who do all of our manufacturing, all of our supplies, and maybe they don't have our best interest at heart. Mm. So there will be great opportunities to maybe bring some of that home, create more jobs. Where are those opportunities for each one of us? Mm. And so really focusing on the lessons that we can learn, because there have been some beautiful lessons too, like being at home with your family and how precious this time is and how valuable it is. And I think a lot of companies, if we're talking about business, have learned how to do business more efficiently. And so there'll be a, sort of a whole reworking of our economy. But I tell people, if someone, if you were busy with your life, you know how we all get busy and we say, if I only had this many weeks or two weeks or one week or this much time to work on myself or work on something that I want to become better at, Mm. Well, now we have the time. We've been given this time. So what are we doing with that time? Right? No, ex no excuses, right? <laughs> no excuses. So go inside and make the most. Your life is created from the inside out. Start asking those questions. Yeah, beautiful. Mark, anything you want to add? Absolutely. Every, here's what my teacher in grad school, Bucky Fuller, who you've heard me talk about endlessly, Dr. Fuller's Einstein's best student, inventor, thinker, futurist, said, emergency causes emergence. Mm. And so the emergency is obvious. Eight billion of us are, are sequestered right now. The, what we're saying, though, is that out of this adversity, we are going to have the most phenomenal opportunity, like Crystal was saying, and, and we're part of so much of it, but it really comes back to the individual. Are you willing to ask your way out? Like when I was bankrupt in 1974, I went to my three roommates at breakfast, and mm. I said, Look, I've had this dawning realization. I want to speak. Who do you guys know that that's not necessarily uh, is young, but not a celebrity, not famous, not anything that is uh, abnormal? And then one guy said, "Look, here's a sheet. I'm I'm a realtor, and, and here's my pass to go see the top speaker. He's a few years older than you, but he's out in Hopog, Long Island, New York. I jumped my beat up old four hundred dollar boat, bitted." pitted window breaking down Volkswagen and I race out to Hop Hog. Get there. I watch this guy for three hours mesmerize 500 people at the end of which I asked him. I went up and I said, Chip Collins, my name is Mark Victor Hansen. Can I buy you lunch? He said, I like people to buy me lunch. Nobody else offered. So I said, great. So I, you know, I asked him every question. I said, look, I want to do this business. He said, kid, chance you make it is one in a thousand. You're not going to make it, but I'll tell you what to do if you promise one thing. What's that? Stay out of real estate. That's my market in five boroughs here in New York. You go and do life insurance. He told me what to say, what to ask for. And in the first three years, I did, you know, a thousand talks a year. What we say is that, first of all, you got to ask yourself, what do you want to do? Then you got to ask others. So I asked my roommates. Then, you know, I asked God, is this my destiny? And then people kept saying, well, you got to have it in a book. And we did the first, this is our new Ask book, which is Amazing. the fastest selling book right now, we're told, I guess. But the first book I did was Stand Up, Speak Out, and Win. And I sold 20,000 copies, as I think you know, you've heard me say, from a platform, made $200,000. I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I thought, this brother has arrived. <laughs> That's a lot of books. <laughs> even, even then. Well, why is it so difficult for people to ask, you know, it, it's sometimes, so we want to ask 
And sometimes people feel like, well, no one gives to me. And we feel like uh, no one cares, but we, we don't ask. And so what is it? Why is it so difficult? And how can we overcome that? Right. In the book, we talk about the seven roadblocks to asking, Coop. And what we found in our research is that everyone has at least one of those roadblocks. Mm. And, um, you know, there, it's like unworthiness, fear, pattern paralysis, um, nice. doubt, naivete, and just dis- disconnection from yourself, dis- disconnection from the dreams in your heart. And that's really sad. That's, that's mm. a really sad state. But, you know, we start off, all of us as children, being great askers. We're born with that curiosity. We're born as human beings to want to know everything, to want to have everything. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually beautiful. That is how we evolve. So I think often we've been taught that it's, you know, shameful to want more or want more, you know, have more things or even money and riches. That is a part of your human spirit jabbing you to evolve, to become better, to become more. Um, But over time, you know, starting with school or even some, depending on how you were raised, all of that curiosity, all of those wants and desires, all those questions, you know, we were shut down. It's like, be quiet. I've heard enough. Don't ask any more questions. Or we go to school where teachers are the authority. So only ask if you're called upon. Mm. This is the way it's going to be. And then on and on. If you go into the military, you submit to authority. Don't ask questions, you know. And, and a lot of companies aren't willing to listen to their employees. Even those, those employees might have some of the greatest ideas. Some of the more progressive companies are doing that. You know, like the Googles, they're, they're asking their employees for ideas. But often in companies, I mean, you know, like people like Kodak, they just don't ask. Yeah. And so it's trained out of us. And um, it's interesting because the, the research we did on asking we found the studies show that people are so afraid to ask. They're afraid that they'll be perceived as stupid or inept or, um, you know, ignorant or they'll be rejected. But the truth of it is, if you ask, you are 80% likely to get your request granted. So there's 80%. a percent. Yes. So there's a huge chance that someone will help you in some way. People are not averse to helping, but they're not going to help you. Sort of like you said, people sit back and say, you know, no one's helping me. Well, they're not going to. You have to ask. You have to engage. That's part of being human beings. And, and you know, the ask others part that we were talking about, there's ask yourself, ask others, ask God. Mm-hmm. Asking others is what allows us to connect to one another, to be a resource to one another, and to bond. You know, when, you, when someone asks you and you can grant someone that request or help them in some way, maybe it's just advice. Maybe it's just listening to what they're saying and and being a helpful shoulder to cry on or something. But when you can be that resource to someone, you create a really special bond and it expands humanity. Mm. What about someone who's, let's say, you talked about unworthiness as one of the blocks. I think that's, that's a core theme for a lot of people that feel I'm not worthy. For that person that doesn't feel worthy, what can they do? How, how do they actually shift? Because it's one thing to just say, oh yeah, I'm going to do an affirmation. I feel worthy, I feel worthy, I feel worthy, but I still don't. In and so how, how, how can they shift that to, to really accessing that sense of worth inside to say, I do deserve to receive, I do deserve to ask, I do deserve the abundance of the universe. Like, guide us there. So, because you know I love stories and you and I have been together before and told great stories and we love your asking story. But one of the stories we did is by a great man named Jim Stovall and we put it in the book because it's so uh, powerful and, and he's one of the guys you ought to interview sometime probably. But 
Stovall is 19 years old. He is a superstar. He's strong. He's fit. He spent his whole life getting ready for the NFL. He gets recruited to the NFL. They take him in for the medical. And the doctor comes back and says, kid, I'm sorry. It ain't going to happen. Six months from now, you're over and out. You're going blind. You will never be an NFL player. Well, now he's self-incarcerated in a little 9 by 12 room coot, and he's got his radio, his telephone, and his television, and he's feeling despondent, disconsolate, and shut down and in isolation like a lot of people are right now. So I'm going to give you the point in one second. His parents say, hey, look, son, Jimmy, you go down there to the blind meeting, and you see if they don't have something to say. Well, it's another echo chamber of negativity. But he sits fortuitously next to a woman named Kathy who's a blind stenographer in a law firm, and he said, you know, Kathy, I used to love watching TV and watching somebody throw a right hook. Somebody ought to do something about that. Her answer was the answer for everyone listening. Wait, wait, what? What do you mean somebody ought to do something? Why can't we do something? Why can't (laughs) we fix up? Why can't we do it? Oh, sorry, I don't mean to be shouting at you. No, it's good. (laughs) And and I'm just so excited because I get goosebumps telling the story because I love it. So. They created, now as a sighted person, you wouldn't know it, but they created narrative TV so somebody can see a right hook. And they got 14 million. They're one of the biggest streaming services at $10 a month in the world for all the blind people. Wow. To see that because you don't need to. So we interviewed him for the book, like after we did all the research and we interviewed 26 superstars, Jim was one because I met him with one of the guys you'll remember, Charles Tremendous Jones, called me up and said, Mark. You and Jack are selling 15 million books a year. I know you haven't even got time to breathe, but you got to read this book. This book, The Ultimate Gift, is going to change you. Mm. I read it, and I wrote the forward to The Ultimate Gift. Then I wrote the backward, and I said, this book is so clear, so dynamite, so impactful. It has got to be a movie. Stobel says, if I live 100 years, it won't be a day in my life. I don't thank Mark Victor Hansen for telling me that because I made $100 million with the movie. And, and now he says, the last line in the story, he says, because of this adversity, I found my opportunity. And he said, now I write books that I can't read. Mm. And I make movies that I can't see. Mm. So everybody's got to get over their handicap, over that sense mm. of unworthiness, over that I'm not worthy because I'm blind. Everybody's blind, Stovall says, in a different way. Everybody's deaf in, in a different way. Everyone's right, right. not as fit as they want to be. And, and we all got to transcend that. And that's what asking does. It allows us to transcend to our higher, better self spiritual to run the mental to run the physical and you certainly know that coming from Ghana I mean yes. Ghana to, in, to England to here yeah what, what about someone who let's say they, they're they not sure what to ask for they might say to you uh, I don't I mean I don't know I don't know what I want I what, what <laughs> you know how, how do they get clear what what they okay how do they get clear what they want how do they get clear because sometimes what we think we want is not always what we really want. It's just what we think we want. So how do we go beyond like the superficial, like I just want the car to, oh, this is my authentic soul's desire. And then the clarity of that to be able to ask, how do we get the clarity? Right. And you know what? That's why this is, it's an asking journey. We need to commit to the asking journey. And it Mm. includes all three parts, asking yourself, ask others and ask God. And when you're trying to determine that, it's so important, again, to go into that quiet space and say, ask yourself things like, what am I best at? You know, Mm. what am I best at? And then what do I like? Because when you're asking these questions, they need to match up. Sometimes you can be really good at something and not like it at all. (laughs) Like I'm good at bookkeeping, but I don't like it at all. (laughs) So that's not going to be something I'm going to be able to do in my life where I would 
provide value because we need to remember part of our being here, part of our seeking richness is also uh, providing value. You know, we mm. want to remember that that when you when you want good things, when you want richness, there's a circle of value that you need to. So, am I giving back? Am I going to be able to give back enough value mm. that I I can ask for the same value in in you know capital value or whatever kind of value it is? So it's important for all of us to remember that, and it's a journey. So when you when you get little uh, ideas or clarifications as you start mm. asking yourself questions. You and pay attention to the answers, okay? Mm-hmm. And it and it starts to take you down this road, and then start asking others. You know, how do you see me? What do you, what do you see my greatest strengths are? You know, how when when we've been together, and it is so surprising when you ask people. Sometimes they'll see things in you that you've never recognized before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you start to determine what it is you're really passionate about, you know, always we put it out to God, put it out to the universe. You know, God. And that, that puts you in a really special place, in a really special state, because you're not just focused on yourself anymore. You're focused on your part in this greater picture, this grander scheme, this whole universal plan, sort of your kingdom purpose. You're part of this kingdom. What will you do in your part? And it's different for everyone, but it really puts, puts that question, puts your existence into a different context that, that quite frankly makes you feel more happy, more secure, because truly human beings are not happy just being all about themselves. Yeah. And we feel like for us personally, that gives us so much more clarity in our, in our you know, direction. Um, and step by step, answer, you know, question by question, answer by answer, you'll get illuminations, you'll get solutions, you'll get plans. And pretty soon you're finding yourself crossing that bridge. That's why we say it's called ask the bridge from your dreams to your destiny because you'll cross that bridge um, to your destiny. Ultimately, you will find it and you'll know you're getting there because it'll start to feel really, really good. Mm, beautiful. Is, is there a point, is there a moment or a point where, or what is the line? Is there a line between being greedy you know, like, what is, uh, is there a point where ask, there's too, we're asking for too much? You know, where, 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 how do we know, how do I know when, when I just need to be grateful for what I have? And, and, and where is the line? Is there a line? Or, or should we just take the limits off of what we ask for? And, and, or should we just come to a point where we're like, you know, I'm satisfied with what I have. Uh, more is not better. What is the line? How do we navigate that? Because some people might think, well, I'm being greedy now. And maybe I'm asking for too much now. Right. So. <clears throat> you know, honestly, it's a combination of both because you will never be satisfied if you don't recognize the blessings and the gifts you have now. That's what mm-hmm. appreciation is. That's what gratitude is. Mm-hmm. If you just, because you could just get more and more and more and you'll never appreciate that either. So, right. so the, the laws are broken in, in that cycle and you'll never be happy, right? You're really breaking universal laws. But if you stop every day and appreciate everything, everything that's good, you have two beautiful eyes that work, two hands. You know, Jim lost his eyesight. There are so many people who don't have what you have. You know, we have so many resources available to us where we live. We have opportunity. Um, We're only limited by our own ability to think and to focus and to work and persevere. So think about that and every beautiful thing around you. There's just... It's almost limitless when you start counting your blessings. So now when you start with the gratitude, you're in a perfect state. You become this great 
magnet, this great attractor field. Like I see the beauty and the magnificence around me. Now you're ready to ask for more because Mm -hmm. the universe has no limits. Even the universe itself, scientifically, scientists are showing that the universe is expanding. It's actually getting bigger as vast and limitless as it is. It's still getting, it's still growing. It's still Mm -hmm. getting bigger. And we're part of that. So we're, we're growing too. We want to get bigger. There's nothing wrong with it. The important thing is that you aren't saying, you know, I want all this for myself. There, it's, it's a, if you think mm-hmm. of it as a value circle, okay, you mm-hmm. have to be balanced in your value circle. When you're asking for more, what are you putting out there that's so valuable, that's more valuable than what you're asking for? And it doesn't even have to be directly related exactly to what you're doing. Just mm. keep putting out value out there. Mm. And, 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 and you're expanding yourself. You're expanding others. It will come back to you. I promise. So you're really giving, you're, you're putting out more value, expanding in value, expressing more value than even what you're asking for and giving more value. And then it's almost like giving more value up what you're asking for, keep giving more value and just keep expanding. Exactly. Right. So the, the point is, is that, you know, the first chapter in Genesis says, in the beginning, God created down to 28. It says, created mm-hmm. you and I in the image and likeness. Therefore, my interpretation, understanding, and expression of that is, I'm here to create. You're here to create. We're all here to create. And then what? if you're going to create, then you got to contribute. And if you're really contributing high value, you deserve to get substantial pay for it. In our case, we've sold a half billion books, but my goal, as you know, is crazy <laughs> and impossible. I'm going to sell a billion books. That sounds like a small number, Mark. I mean, uh, yeah, small number. <laughs> look, look I'm, only, I'm only 72, and I'm going to live to be 127 with options for renewal. I've got a long way to go, <laughs> right? And, and I've got a lot of momentum right now. And what happens is a lot of these people are missing that they got a lot of momentum. And then, you know, if you believe what I believe, you could earn all you can, save all you can, so you can give all you can. That's the triangle. Mm-hmm. So you and I are here to give back the universe at levels that, look, it's the old cliche, I'm planting trees that I'm not going to get to enjoy the shade of. But And that's what, you know, Johnny Appleseed, I was asked to rewrite the book as, as Jeanette Appleseed, the daughter who did the rest of the job. But he actually planted enough apples for everybody in the Northeast all the way to Illinois, got apples. Literally, this is a real human being. I'm saying everyone listening now has got to get out of the doldrums and they got to one of the books we'll give away free if they go to my website is how to be up and down times. And what we're saying is, look, in this decade from 2020 to 2030, 10 years, first of all, in the last two months, we've had 10 years of change. But in the next 10 years, we're going to do $50 trillion. We're going to pay back all this debt. Everyone's going to have more work. It's going to be better work, more exciting work. Like we're part of a little company called Turning Trash to Cash, a $300 million company, 20 years. Mm. They're taking every because everybody creates five pounds of garbage a day, and we can recycle every atom in metal, plastic, water. We've got plenty of everything. There's only fundamental abundance, and that's why the oldest spiritual literature in the planet, the Upanishad, says, out of abundance, he or she took abundance, and still abundance remained. Like, mm. suck up, breathe up as much as you can. How much can you take all the air out of the room? Hell no, you can't. You cannot do that. Right? But breathing in is really refreshing, <laughs> especially if you've got fresh air like we do in Arizona. Mm. Mm. I'm feeling the, you know, accessing the abundance of the universe that is expanding. In terms of asking, maybe you could guide us here. Because uh, I know some people say, well, Crystal, Mark, I, I asked, but... It's still not working. I'm, I'm asking people, but I, I am asking. So is there a, a formula for asking? Is there an effective way 
to ask and make requests of the uh, uh, firstly of people in our lives. Like I have a request, I want to ask, hey Mark, uh, could you blah blah blah? And I think sometimes maybe we don't know how to ask. So kind of guide us there. What right. are the steps or the keys right. to effective asking? I get it. And so you know, we, there's a section in the book called "How to Prepare to Be a Good Asker." And so, right, mm-hmm. and that's really important. The preparation part is important because if you're just going at it and you haven't prepared, it may not work. So the first thing we say is belief. You really need to get clear on your belief and say, I believe I'm worthy of these things. You know, I believe that I can achieve these things. I believe I can find these things. I believe I will find my answers, even if it takes a, a long time, even I have, if I have to keep asking, asking. The belief is so important. And then the second part is action. Because often people give up, you know, a lot of people like, well, I asked and now now I'm just sitting on the sofa waiting for it to happen with my blanket around me and it's still not happening. You know, (laughs) action is part of your asking journey, like taking the steps, finding out more. If that didn't work, what did work for someone else? Are you continuing to ask enough questions to find out whatever you want has worked before? So find out the behavior the mindset, the area of expertise, the things you need to have to make your questions, make your journey work. It's so important to jump in sort of to that quantum soup that you want to play in. If you're standing out here going, okay, I asked and nothing's happened, it's, it's not going to happen. So belief and then taking action. And then the next step is visualization, you know, using the power of your imagination because sometimes your logical mind talks you out of it. And it's like, right. oh, you'll never do that. That's because let me give you six reasons why that's not going to work. No, 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 no. But if you'll just go into that space where you let yourself kind of dream, imagine, and visualize and take the limit <clears throat> literally, do your, go to the ultimate, go to the end game of what you want, whether it's a relationship, you know, a job, a career, whatever you want to be doing, describe it. Here's what I'm doing. Here's how it feels. Here's who I'm talking to. Here's the money I'm making. Here's the, here are the sales I'm closing. Here's the amount that it's, that's happening. And when you start to write that down, your brain, when you start asking for those things, your brain, a different part of your brain goes to work for you. And it's the part of your brain that does critical thinking. So then you engineer it backwards and say, okay, what step did I take to get here? What step, you know, then what did I do to get here? And, and when you reverse engineer it, you'll start to see it is, it is miraculous how this will unfold for you if you're willing to do the work. The truth is, Coop, most people just want it to happen with no effort, with not putting mm. your belief, putting your action. You got to mm. jump into the water if you're going to swim, mm. you know, standing on, standing on the edge isn't going to get you there. Right. So it right. really is immersing yourself in this journey. And that's why we're saying, you know, this is the best investment you'll make in a $20 book this year because... Reading, show it reading other show it. people's stories is so important. We learn so much from other people's stories. You know, you were saying, how do people get over their unworthiness? You know, how do you actually do it? This is like, say, we say ask, but how? When you read other people's stories, it gives you the evidence of what mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. When you read other people's stories, stories are like a metaphor. A metaphor is a pattern. And our brains recognize, our brains work in patterns. We, we learn in patterns. And, and we learn much more quickly in patterns. That's why stories are so powerful. And that's why the stories work. That's why Chicken Soup for the Soul works. People were so moved by these stories. Their whole life was changed. And you go, how can a story change a life? But it can. 
because it's a pattern. It's a recognized pattern that I, as a human being, can say, that works. This is why it works. And I feel it. I feel it emotionally. I don't, it's not learning it intellectually. I'm feeling the emotion. And when you yeah. feel something emotionally, that pattern gets memorized in not just your brain, but in all parts of your body. So you're really connecting to that. We interviewed 26 people for this book. Mm. And these stories are amazing, you know? The stories that we have, the stories about overcoming the roadblocks. It's so important to see why they had those roadblocks and what they did, what that, their journey was to overcome those. And in, in reading those stories, you go, ah, okay. Mm. You become that person. We're all, we all have a little bit of each other inside of each other, inside of ourselves. Can I add to what you said? Please, please. So let me do everything she said backwards. Visualizing is realizing. <laughs> you know our story and my story because we've been together so much. But, you know, I interviewed the 101 best writers, fiction and nonfiction of all times. Everybody from Wayne Dyer, who I used to carry his books in and sell them for him, to, you know, Scott Peck, who he said you got to do 20 media things a month or do 20 in one day. And then you're set. Just like now we're doing four or five podcasts a day. And I cut out Scott Peck. He was number one 58 weeks in a row. Wow. Cut out his name, a number one New York Times, put Jack and Mark's name there in our book and put it on the mirror in my office. This is a visualizing. The mirror in Jack's office, the mirror at my home and Jack's home. So we owned it every time we went into the restroom to do wash our face or shave or whatever. The point is we visualized it to realize it. That's at the very end. Now, did I know we were going to have to have 144 people all say, because you did, you had Jack write the forward to one, your book one. I saw it. You think I don't pay attention? Anyhow, I love Jack. So Jack, Jack, he said, wow, we got all these rejections. And they're all pink slips. And it was just yesterday that I finally figured out pink slips are the way that Random House and all the big publishing houses were trying to be nice to us to say, go to hell. <laughs> you know, they were saying, we don't like your book. We don't think it works. We, if we, look, we do $25 billion of books a year. And by the way, they're one of my publishers now, so I love them now. But, you know, it's fascinating. That you got, I got pink slips from them. And we kept them. We had a big stack. So we got 144 rejections because what you said is, do people handle rejection? Here's what I believe. Universe tests you yeah. to see, back to her question, statement about belief, and do you trust that universe is going to source and serve you? Because Jack and I knew the stories. I, I taught him how to do uh, heart-touching, heart soul-penetrating stories from a platform, and then we decided to put it in together as a book. But we got a lot of rejection from publishing industry because mm. they're the behemoth. They know everything. The point mm. is it was the right thing. Same with electric cars for Elon Musk or anything else or him opening up his plant today or anything like that, right? He just knew that it was the right thing. And if you come to that trust, you come to that knowing, you come to that belief, and then you visualize it, you're going to have to go through a lot of hoops. I mean, mm. Edison had to go through 10,000 experiences to finally fall asleep in deep meditation, which we'll talk about. And she's a hypnotherapist, but he put a key in his hand every day and he said, Okay, God, tell me the way to make a light bulb. And the key would fall and hit the ground. He'd wake up out of what we call a hypnagogic trance. And he said, that's it. We'll do tungsten in a vacuum. And bingo, we went from darkness to light and got out of the mm. depression of 1898. Mm. Does that Incredible. make sense? Incredible. In terms of, let's say, someone feels like giving up right now. And, and, oh, and so I'm sure you both have had moments where maybe, you know, you felt like giving up. I mean, I know Mark, your story. And, and, and so I'm, I'd love to know about a, a time maybe either of you felt like giving up and what kept you going. It may be a dark moment that kept you like this was the secret that kept you going. Because I'm sure there are some people right now, they feel like they're asked out 
you know, this, this, this time we're going through is maybe like a nail in the coffin. They're like, I can't ask again. I can't get myself up to ask again. <sighs> what kept you going and how can, what can they access to keep going? Right. So Coop, for me, that moment was when I was quite young, young. I was 21 years old and I was one of those kids who high school was very easy for me. So I accelerated my curriculum and graduated at age 16 and mm. married my boyfriend who was five years older at the time. And so we, two and a half years later, I found myself alone in, with a baby on my hip in a city by myself, no job and no idea mm. how I was going to support myself. And divorce. And divorce, of course. So um, I did what I, the only thing I could think of now was to go get food stamps. I applied for food stamps. I got the food stamps, went to the grocery store that first day. And I remember standing in line at the grocery store, ready, getting ready. The, the woman in front of me was checking out, getting ready to turn my, you know, food stamps over. She starts checking out my groceries. And it was like I had this epiphany and this huge question dropped in, in my mind. And I asked, how did I get here? And then followed by a second question that's, that said, are you really doing everything you can to get out of this? Or are you taking the easy way out? Literally, I that question, are you taking the easy way out? And I, mm. I knew the answer right when I got it. I knew I wasn't doing everything I could for mm. myself to get out of the situation, even though I didn't know what to do. So it, it was so powerful, me, for, powerful for me to answer that question in that moment to myself. As I was turning those food stamps over to the woman, I literally, I handed them over and I was feeling so much conviction inside. I was almost wondering if she could tell that I was saying to myself, this will not be my future. I will, this will, I will never do this again. And so I went home and I thought, how can I go to work? I started asking myself more questions, mm. you know, so it's, it's so powerful just to ask. I, I asked, how can I go to work tomorrow? What can I do tomorrow to change this? And I'd heard about temporary service agencies. So I applied, I called, it's called Kelly services, you know, Kelly girls. I applied, filled out the information. They start calling you and giving you job opportunities every day. And you can say yes or no. And then I realized, so I started doing some of those jobs, realized that there were two other uh, temporary service agencies I could apply with. I applied for all three because I thought now I've got a better choice of jobs mm -hmm. to pick. So mm -hmm. I've got her smorgasbord. Um, so I started doing all kinds of jobs, like working at attorney's offices, filling in and setting up booths at malls and and all of these different things, you know, selling at conventions. And I realized a lot of things about myself. I really learned that I like business, like sales. I was pretty good at it. And um, that I really like people. You know, I love being out there with people and um, stepping up however I could to serve. And so I decided to get my real estate license. I put myself through real estate school. Um, and in the meantime, someone had hit me up, said, you know, you should do some modeling. So I decided to approach a modeling agency. I asked them if they would sign me. And fortunately, the biggest one said yes in my, in my town. So I started doing some television commercials that went national. So, you're, they, you, know, so you have to join Screen Actors Guild. Have to. It was really nice because then I ended up getting all these benefits, like insurance mm. for myself and my son. So literally, a year and a half later from that time that I turned over those food stamps, mm. I was working for the top home builder in our valley. I became the number one realtor for our company and I was getting, I had great benefits and getting these, these residuals mm. every month. And I often thought back about that because I'm telling you, 
as easy as this sounds right now, it was so, it would have been so easy for me just to collapse mm. into my fear. Um, I was so scared. I was crying at night on my pillow. I had no idea what to do. I didn't know what to do. And it was the question, that tough question that I asked myself at the grocery store, are you doing everything you can? And I knew the answer and I, and I, and it took courage to like answer it honestly, Yeah. because I think sometimes we're not honest with ourselves. So ask the questions, but be sure to answer them honestly. I knew I had more in me. Yeah. I knew it. And so I knew I could do more. And so I kept asking myself and asking and that journey, I think back on that all the time. It changed my life dramatically. Mm-hmm. And that's why when Mark and I got ready to put this book together, we realized how dramatically this asking, this simple tool of asking has changed and, and shaped our lives in the most positive ways, especially mm-hmm. in the times when we were down, especially mm-hmm. at our darkest hour. Yeah. Yeah, asking is so powerful. I look at any of the greats, you know, Jesus, uh, Muhammad Ali, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa. They all asked. They asked humanity. They asked society. They asked America. They, they asked, you know, Mother Teresa asked. They, they, all of these people asked big. And so I always say, if you don't ask, you don't receive. If you don't ask big, you don't receive big. And so I think it's, it's so Powerful. Mark, was there, was there a, a moment in your life that maybe you felt like giving up? And uh, I'll do that in a second. I just want to hit on Mother Teresa because it's such a great story. We have it in the book. Is it, here, here she is, a uh, 57-year-old nun in Calcutta. Now, as you know, I was in India for a long time as a kid. They sent me as a student ambassador because they thought I was smart. But here's this wonderful little frail woman, 57, and she sees a guy dying. He's, you know, in, in India, I think you've been there a lot of times. I know you've been yes. in Bali yes. and all that, so I don't mind talking, you know, you yes. know what I'm talking about. There's a caste system. Yes. And, and the lowest of the lower are the untouchables. Well, she sees this guy that's got Christ in his eyes, and she shovels him up. Just, you know, this little mite of a woman and takes him back and says, I'm going to feed him, house him, resurrect him, build him up. And, you know, she goes to the head of the archdiocese and said to the head of the archdiocese, I'm starting Sisters of Charity. He says, okay. <laughs> How much you got? Do you know this story? No, no. Tell me. Tell me. You got this. I got three cents. Three cents. Three pennies. He said, I'm incensed. You think you can start that with three pennies? She said, three cents in God, I can do anything. <laughs> I get goosebumps telling you that. Now, obviously, she did a great job, and we all both know a lot of people who've done great work with her. My little brother is watching her with 90,000 people. And, and, you know, she's four foot eight. She just, wow. and by the way, she weighs 80 pounds wet out of the shower, right? right. <laughs> she's a little wonderful, wonderful, glowing woman. She says, I'm just this old. It's a pencil in hand, but God, I, I love her voice. So my little brother says, I've never seen a greater fundraiser than here. She got everybody. <laughs> she took, she took 90,000 of us. My little brother's rich, but she turned it, and he made it all himself just like I did. But she, she poured us all upside down. <laughs> she took us, and she kept shaking us until she got everything. She got everything. 90,000 people in the Denver arena. She says, you're going to help God, and you're doing it right yeah. My brother says, I've never seen any. I've never told that story before until I told them. It just, he says, I thought you were good at asking for money in churches, big brother, but boy, I saw nothing. You don't, you don't even touch a candle to that woman. Mother, to Mother, Mother Teresa. Wow. Was there a moment where you felt like giving up, Park, where that, that kept you going that you can just kind of distill 
When I was bankrupt, I, I misunderstood that my self-worth and net worth were totally separate. So I lost $2 million in one day. Wow. You know, the oil embargo hit. They said, we can write checks <laughs> over your banks to months. And I, went, I had to check a book out of the library, as I told you privately before, how to go bankrupt by yourself. So I thought it was over and out for me. And that's why you know, I, I respectfully understand there are a lot of people right now, they're in sequestration, not by choice, by government imposition. And, and I, I happen to think it's wrong right now. I think yeah. you know, there's a lot. I, look, I don't want anyone to die. That's not yes. answer, but yeah. you've got to, There are three fears. There's not one fear. There's the fear of the virus. There's the fear of fears. And, and my, one of my heroes and yours, Napoleon Hill, said he wrote all the fireside chats. You have nothing to be fear. Fear to send off. Confront your fears mm-hmm. and make it disappear. But then there's the economic fear, which is, is, is catastrophic as far as I'm concerned. But we're talking about catastrophe to people that 30 million people aren't going to have jobs and they're going to feel like I did. They're going to want to, you know, slash their wrist, hang themselves yeah. or whatever. And that's just not okay. And that's why when we started this show and I, we started in a high note, we'll finish it before we're over and stay in a high note. We've got to give everybody hope because with hope, your mind will open up with hope. Like mm-hmm. Crystal said, you're, 18 billion brain cells can go to work. You can make that asking decision that'll go into the subconscious to make the provision because what you impress, you express. So very simply, I'm going to say, everybody listening, shut off all the negative news. 15 minutes tops is all you can take because pretty soon it pollutes and endangers your brain. So you got to ask yourself, what is it I'm going to do, like we said, Nestola said, to change this? Mm. And it just, it, your life is, you got to do, we got to do these one lives at a time. And what Crystal was saying, as you know, the Danish poet laureate, Pet Hein, Nobel Prize winner and all that, but he writes little groups, poems. And he says, what the world needs now is problem solvers galore. Because each problem we solve creates 10 problems more. <laughs> and I'm saying those 10 problems more are all cashable if you just ask how to do it. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And I listened to an audio tape that pulled me out of it. I sold my way through college, never listened to this audio tape because I was too, if you know the term sophomoric, I knew everything. <laughs> Boy, I just, I, I got good grades. I got a four point. I'm smarter than hell. I don't need to listen to anything. All of a sudden, I'm bankrupt and I'm hiding under the sheets. I listened to that one tape, either The Creature Circumstance or The Creator by Cabot Robert, the Dean of Speakers. The guy who talked Zig Ziglar and myself. Oh, yeah, all of us. Yeah, yeah. He, he created a $30 billion a year business while the markets were open, you know, of selling product from the platform. He created all that, and I, I got to be in his tutelage. But I listened to that tape 287 times, and I, I drive around my beat-up old Volkswagen. With a, back then, we had big tape recorders bigger than my head next to my ear, and I'd be driving, listening, and trying to shift a four and a four. It just, it's sort of ridiculous, but... I was, what I was doing is what I'm asking everyone out there to do. Listen to the podcast by you. Listen to my your stuff online, my stuff mm-hmm. online, YouTube. Read books like Ask, self-help action stuff that's going to yes. give you back your biceps and triceps mm-hmm. mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally so you can charge for it and you can be up in down times. Beautiful. You mentioned uh, asking God. Uh, I want to hear about asking God because... Well, how do we know what to ask God? That's number one. Uh, what about what, what about the person who says, well, Crystal, Mark, I, I don't believe in God, so what does that leave me? And so speak to us about what do we ask God? person doesn't believe in God. Um, how do we know what to ask God? How can we ask God effectively? Right. I, first, I would say if you don't believe in God, you know, I don't want to impose any of my beliefs on anyone, but all I'm saying is, uh, Dr. Gary Schwartz wrote a book called The G.O.D. Experiments, The God Experiments. Mm. 
And he basically proves through scientific theory in this book that there's no way the elegance and the beauty and the magnificence and the design of the just our earth happened even without an intelligent force. He said there's no way. You can't, it can't randomly. He did all these random tests that, that this could all come together, you know. It's a, it's a fascinating book, but I would just say, give yourself an opportunity at least to suspend your disbelief, mm. because I think if you do and you do it with an open heart, you'll, you'll find some magic when you just start asking, you know, God, are you there? And I'm not saying I'm telling you exactly the form of God. None of us really knows, right? Yeah. The form of God is a complete mystery to us, and that's yes. where the faith comes in. But the important thing is to remember <clears throat> that we're not alone here. I know that without a doubt. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind. I've had mm. so much evidence of it personally in my life. I've been guided. And if you ask God, the more you ask God, the more you engage in that space um, with God, the more guidance you get. And to do that, you have to shut off everything else, like Mark was saying, because everything else out there is the opposite. All, all those things, all this negativity is the opposite of what you want. And if you keep mm. putting in the opposite of what you want, you won't get what you want because it's, it's focused. You know, you're, you're taking up all your space for that. So really just spending that time. Uh, what I do, my, my prayer in the beginning, we, we do a meditation prayer every morning and I just say, you know, God, empty me of all my junk and fill me with you, you know, mm. with your light, your wisdom, your knowledge, mm. your, your insight, everything that I could possibly do. Let me be, let me be a light. Let me be a lamp for your light, right? Let me be a lamp for the light to light up the world in any way I can. And I think if we all did that a little bit more, the world would be a little a better place. It it, it feeds our souls, you know, every day. Um, there's a great story. I mean, if you want evidence, that's why I'm saying when you read these stories, there's so much evidence yes. of what we're talking about across the board. But one good story that I just love in the book that is is about God asking God. Um, a woman was losing her husband. He was dying of kidney failure, both kidneys failing totally. And they had tested everyone, including herself, his wife, for to see if she was a match for as a donor. No one was. His family wasn't. This Or they had a health issue. They couldn't. All these things, they just couldn't find a match. And she said, I walked past that bedroom door, bedroom one day, and she goes, I smelled death. I saw death lying there. And she thought to herself, my children are going to grow up without a father. It's not mm. acceptable. And she's just praying, dear God, please help me. This can't be over for us. Can you please help us find a solution? We're not seeing any. We're, we're in the dark here. And so she had to go run some errands. Um, after she experienced that moment, she got in the car. She needed to run errands before her kids got home, you know, trying to hold everything together. Well, on the errands, she passed by the hospital who was the, the care facility for her husband's treatment, for his kidney treatments. Um, that were happening regularly. And something told her just to pull in again and go get tested. It made no sense at all because she'd already been tested and rejected. They said, you're not a match, not going to happen. She pulled in, said, I need to go get tested again. Something was telling her this. And she marched up to the woman who was doing his care and said, please, will you please just test me again. Just one more time. I'm begging you. And the woman could have said, you know, talking about being a grantor of wishes and being a resource to each other. The woman could have said, you know, honey, you, you need to go home. You're just losing it. But she did. She said, Janet, of course, we'll mm. test you again. Let's do it right now. Went in, did the whole panel of blood work. She had to wait for an hour or so, however long it was. The woman comes out of the room, jaw dropped, shaking her head and said, 
I do not know what happened here, but she said there is this really unheard of, almost unheard of factor in some types of A blood. You're an A blood, your husband's a B blood type. And she said that uh, double squared negative or whatever the factor was, some kind of double squared thing, factor. She said, your blood has that factor and it allows us to let A blood be a match for B. Mm. And they, they didn't find that the first time. They didn't mm. know that. So somehow in those, you know, heartfelt prayers to God where she just asked, you know, I, I can't have this. I, my kids can't live without their, their father. Can you mm. please show us a solution? And mm. that's, that's a miracle. I mean, no one can say that is a random event, right? Mm. There's something. You didn't say she gave, he gave the kidney. Oh yeah, so she she donated. She ended up donating her kidney, and her little kidneys live on strong to the today. One in herself, and one in her husband. Wow. So, what are the mo- most uh, that you you both feel might be the most potent questions that either you ask or you feel would be great? for the those listening in to know like here are the, like some of the most powerful questions you can ask that you found power questions the, the question you're asking and the last question you asked go together in my mind you go gotta ask, remember the three things ask yourself ask others ask god ask god god what is your destiny for me now you do that when you're going to sleep god what is your destiny for me like 400 times now that's macro now let me do it micro when Jack and I are trying to do figure out what the right title of the book is, and, and because you and I and Jack are all great friends, you know, Jack had a title on the book, and I said, Jack, that isn't going to cut it. It just doesn't do it. It's sort of like when Napoleon Hill had How to Make a Boodle with Your Noodle, and the publishers had come up with something better. <laughs> and he did what I'm going to tell you to do, and then he came up, 2.30, Think and Grow Rich. Nap calls up back when dial-up phones and said, Think and Grow Rich. The guy said, it better be good, because if it isn't working tomorrow, I'm going to not publish your book. Well, it turns out it's only 100 million copies that year, as you know, and got out of the Depression. Yeah. 19, yeah. Came out in 1937, got out of the Depression by 1939. One book. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful books are. That's what Ask is going to do, I believe. But when Jack and I are doing chicken soup in our respective homes, him in Santa Barbara, me at that time in Newport Beach, now we live in Scottsdale, Arizona, we said, we'd say, Mega best selling title, mega God, mega best selling title, God, a mega best selling, give us a mega best selling title, God, give us a mega best selling title 400 times each in our respect. It, what you asked about how much you got to ask, you got to ask until the angel comes with the answer. That's how long you got to ask, however long it takes, because God gave you everything and He'll give you the answer, but you've got to be determined. So Jack calls me that night. We put determined that we didn't tell our spouses 4 30 at night. Back this when you had a phone next to bed and it wasn't a cell phone. I pick it up. This is like 1989. And I said, yeah. And Jack said, chicken soup. I said, for the soul. And we both got goosebumps. We said, that's good. My wife said, better be damn good because you just woke me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wow. I'm so glad. I love it. Because if you hadn't been friends with Jack, that might not keep, work so well. Keep, keep asking until the angels come. Keep asking. You talked about uh, uh, destiny. You mentioned the word destiny. And so maybe you could just, a couple more questions. If you could speak to destiny and how much of our life do you feel, like, do we have a destiny? How much of it is, 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 pre, is it prede- predetermined by God? How much do we create? What's the, is there a ratio? Some people feel this is just my destiny or versus I create my reality. What is the dance there? 
So, you know, one of my favorite questions, Kute, and, and the most important one for me is, God, what is the greatest expression for which you made me? Mm. Will you show me how to be that? Mm. And I think if you're asking yourself that question regularly, you that is the way you find your destiny. Mm. Because there is an ultimate expression of each of us. And it, it, you know, we might be doing, there might be several different things we could do in that expression, but that's the most important part. I think if we're becoming our ultimate expression, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of the landing place we end up will be perfect. Mm -hmm. And and that is what we're destined for. And in answer to your question, you asked three questions at once, but every one of us has a destiny, my opinion. If you're alive, you have a destiny and your job is to discover it, find it, and then fulfill it. And if you fulfill yours and 8 billion people fulfill theirs, the world will work for 100% of humanity, will be economically, physically, spiritually, emotionally successful. Mm-hmm. And why not? Why shouldn't we go for 100%? We're all in this lockdown now, and you're going to have enough people listening to this. It's, it's going to have pass along value that's bigger for you, better for us, better for the mm-hmm. world. Because mm-hmm. we really want to, you know, the question that your neighbor in, in San Francisco asked, uh, Peter Demandis, is what are you going to do? to positively affect a billion people during the next decade. Mm. And you would say, that, well, that's your destiny. We put it in the book because I like Dr. Demandis a great deal and his partner, Ray Kurzweil, the smartest guy arguably in the planet, guy great nano. Mm. The point is, every one of us has a destiny. It's our job to fulfill it. It's like Crystal was saying, it's not your job to sit down and go, I'm nobody, I'm nothing, I can't be anything, I've never been anything, nobody likes me, and somebody said no to me once, and I think I've made my spirit crush <laughs> I don't know. I listen to Coots. It's nice. <laughs> but I can't. I love, you know, because we've all been there. That's why it's right. funny because right. we're making fun of, I'm making fun of myself, not you. Right. It's that, that, that's that old Robin Williams. <laughs> you laughing at me? No, I'm laughing near you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Got it. Got it. So uh, our role is to fulfill, to discover our destiny, to fulfill our destiny. Bingo. Yes. In, in this lifetime. I love it. I love the question. You know, I've, I, this has been a profound, I feel like we could talk forever. Yeah. I think we've got to bring it, bring a part two to the conversation. I hope you uh, will, because we got something we want to do. We want everyone to yes. write their book. And that's yeah. Yeah, but, but, since we're on there, like, what is the key to writing a book, by the way? I know you both have written books. I mean, we have to do it in another interview. Oh my podcast right behind us, darn it. Got it. But, but let's, let, let, let's, do a, let's do a part two for sure. It'll be awesome to have you back. I just want to wrap up with one final question. If there were, and you can both go piggyback, if there were three keys, if these were like the most important lessons you've learned in your life that you could pass on to your children, the grandchildren, the next generation to kind of send people off, what would the three key life lessons be that you've learned that you'd like to share with the next generation? Either, either of you can respond back and forth, however you want to do it. For me, um, the most important thing to remember as you're going through this life is that life is created from the inside out. You are creating your life experience. It is not coming at you. It's coming from inside of you. Mm. So always remember that. I think a second one for, for me would be remember, don't just try to you know, go pick off all, all the, the fruit off the tree. You have to keep your value circle balanced. Keep giving. Mm-hmm. Keep giving as mm-hmm. much or more than you're expecting or wanting or asking for. Mm-hmm. And the third one is just take time to love, to love everything around you, to 
smell the roses, to look in people's eyes, take the time, recognize and appreciate the blessings around you right now in this moment. Because if you don't take that time, you can have everything and have, and have nothing because you're not recognizing it or registering it anyway. Mm. Amazing. So my answer to the same question is, if you're here to create and contribute, the question start is threefold answer. How am I here to create and contribute in my life to make my life work? Then how can I do that same thing to make other people's lives work? And then if we do it at the big macro level, how do we do it to really make the world work? And so we're good to all the human population, but all the other populations on the earth. And we're at the first time where we have enough awareness because we knew what, how big the planet is. We know what it is fragile. We know what the metrics are. We can make it 100% successful. That has never existed before for the human population where we got fundamental abundance thanks to technology. Unbelievable. Folks, you heard it from Mark and Crystal, authors of Ask. What an amazing book, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. I want to invite all of you, go get this book, check out this book. This is the year 2020. This book will change your life. I'm diving into it myself. And uh, what's the best way people can find out about you, your work, the best website? How can people connect with you, those listening in? Ever so quickly, we want everyone to go get a book. And unfortunately, bookstores don't open, so you get to go to Amazon, buy our book, and then send a receipt of that book to reception at markvictorhanson.com, reception at markvictorhanson.com. And we're going to invite you to the biggest, the best, most glorious book club with yours truly live <laughs> and living color. And people get to ask anything. No one's ever decided to have the world's biggest book club until we decided, and we're going to do it. And we're going to do it as ask, so we get everybody to ask for and get every good thing they want at every level, every dimensionality of their life. Unbelievable. And the, and the best website, is there a website too that people yeah. can connect with you? Go see markvictorhanson.com and all of my stuff and all of Crystal's stuff and Crystal awesome. Dwyer Hanson no. and all of Facebook. And Crystal, crystalvisionlife.com. Crystal, Crystal Vision Life. We, we will put the, the links, both links in right. the show notes, the email in yeah, the show notes. Yeah. Folks, go get the book. Send, uh, send an email because you're going to be a part of the biggest book club in the world. Yes. Uh, Mark Crystal, thank you so much. You're just, uh, you're both legends. You're so radiantly just shining. It's an inspiration. I'm going to come, come have lunch with you. In, uh, Indeed, we're going to do it. Do it. Let's do Folks, it. it's been a joy. Hopefully you've uh, taken lots of notes today. I'm going to ask something of you. Send me an email, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I want to know your key takeaways from today's incredible episode with Mark and Crystal. Also, download this episode, subscribe, and share this with everyone you know, because everyone you know, needs to listen to this conversation time to ask big if you don't ask you don't receive sending you love folks catch you in next week's episode of soul talk love now if you've enjoyed this episode of soul talk please do share the podcast with all of your friends let everyone know and make sure you download soul talk today i'm looking forward to next week where i'll get to share more inspiration with you meanwhile follow me on facebook Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at cooplaxon.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.